All right, Frank, before we start yes, today's... Yes, Ben. <laughs> before we start today's podcast, I, I think that it's important that we thank the listeners for the wild success of this podcast. It's so blown far. up. It's blown up. I checked the numbers last night, and we have literally over <laughs> 170 listens <laughs> to our three podcasts combined. That's great. It is great. So We, I, we joke, but that is actually... that. 100 people would actually sit through us talking for 45 minutes. It's pretty impressive. I'm happy with it so yeah, far. I'll hey, you it. know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of different entertainment options for you, the listener, and the fact that you've chosen to listen to Frank and I ramble. So uh, spread the word and we'll give you each $5. The sound you hear is people clicking off there. We will not actually <laughs> give anybody $5. No, we won't do that. We can barely afford to pay our SoundCloud hosting. So we're... <laughs> We're here today because we made it home safe from our trip to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. We did. We did. Uh, just in case anyone is unfamiliar with the way South by Southwest works. Uh, so already I'll say I feel kind of like a tool for even saying that because there's been a lot of like uh, uh, blowback on social media lately about uh, how South by Southwest is, you know, become like this big fake thing where like all the fake cool people go and talk about how much fun they have and so it's, it's really not that for great. Us. Yeah, so basically it's just right up our alley. So right. it comes down to uh, Southwest Southwest, uh, quick refresher, I guess, uh, started as a music festival in Austin, Texas back in the 90s. Uh, kind of grew, exploded, blew up, uh, became this big event uh, that people were really into over the years. And then uh, because so many people are going to that and talking business, they kind of added this marketing slash interactive component Digital to it. Digital yeah. stuff. So from there, that kind of grew to the point where it actually – eclipsed the music festival itself. They've added a film festival to this. There's mm -hmm. actually, a, uh, I believe, a, like a green festival, like South by Southwest Eco or something like that. Yeah, I don't even um, know. There's a venture capital one in Las Vegas uh, later on in the year. So basically, South by Southwest has turned into this massive... Well, they had a sports part to they it. They had a sports component year. to it this year. So it's this huge just music, marketing, film, entertainment happening, really, that... You know, goes down uh, mid-March every year. Uh, and Frank and I were lucky enough to go this year. Yes, thanks to Quinlan for sending us down. Yeah, our employers. Uh, you know, that was great uh, that we were able to basically take a week off of work and go, you know. Although a lot of it was harder work. My, I'm not, my feet were in shambles at the end of that thing. I think I walked about 50 miles the whole week. Yeah, I mean. I don't not know, complaining. Cause no. It was 72 and sunny every day, which was beautiful. It was. So, I mean, if you... If you're from Buffalo, and I assume that 99.9% of our listeners are, you know, basically uh, this conference is laid out, you know, in the middle of downtown Austin. So kind of imagine, if you will, you're at like the Buffalo Convention Center, and then the events range any place from like uh, where City Hall would be up to like where North Street would be. So you're walking to all these different venues like over the course of this like uh, 12 block area. So you're hustling when you're there, like you're mm -hmm. getting around, uh, but you learn a lot. Everyone, uh, every major brand is basically represented yeah, there. Okay. Every tiny brand is represented there. You know, there's a huge startup component to it. Uh, so a lot of agencies. A lot of agencies. Uh, so you're seeing everything. You're seeing everything that's happening in advertising, marketing, uh, things along those lines. And being a couple of ad agency fellas, like it's really interesting to us. So the reason why Frank said initially that we got home safely. Uh, from this is not because we were, you know, drinking ourselves 
into a coma, which certainly a lot of people do at yes. South by Southwest. Yes, we saw a few of those. Yeah, we saw a few of those. Uh, Frank and I were in bed every night by 8 o'clock uh, <laughs> after saying our prayers. and Separate beds. Yeah, and calling our wives and saying how much we missed them. Uh, but yeah, on our way home, we left Austin uh, Wednesday morning, and we promptly returned to Austin, Frank. Yes, it was uh, one of the most traumatic experiences of both our lives, I yeah. think it's safe to say. Fair to say. We got... You know, we sat on the runway for about, what, 15 minutes before takeoff, and they told us there was some sort of mechanical issue, and they were going to take care of it, we were going to take off. So we start to move, we take off, and about five minutes later, we feel this strong kind of pulse, like we ran over something, and I saw two yeah. orange bursts of flame shoot out from underneath us, and there was a big smoke billow, and everybody on the plane could smell the smoke. And that's when the smoke. panic kind of set in for everybody. And we stopped descending. Yep. We stopped climbing, so we leveled off a little bit. And uh, the panicking flight attendant got on the loudspeaker and <laughs> alerted everybody that we would be turning around and returning to the Austin airport. And what ended up happening is... And, so that doesn't put anybody at ease, first of all. The flight attendant was just not composed. No. One of our, uh, another person asked, is this normal? And she said, this is the first time this has ever happened to me. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So that's not very comforting, first out. But uh, it, and it turned out that we had lost power in our second engine. We yep. had two engines. And uh, we were turning back and preparing for an emergency landing. Mm -hmm. So they went through the whole bracing, you know, you had to put your arms, cross your arms and put your head on the seat in front of you and brace for impact. Probably the first time I ever listened to the emergency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank God they went over it the again. Because <laughs> uh, I was not paying attention the first yeah, time. It was but, like being forced to take a test that you realized that you had never studied for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was a life really, really important test. <laughs> so yeah, we, and then they tell us, you know, do not grab any of your bags or anything. And when we evacuate, you will need to, we, I think we're going to have to go on those fun slides. At least that was yeah. the perk I was looking forward They're to. Like you need to get away from the plane as fast as you possibly yeah. can. And yeah, don't take anything with you. And there are times that the fire trucks are going to be lining the runway. Yeah. And you got the feeling in your stomach. We're like, oh my God, this is really happening. The Whenever a plane takes off, right, like you're ascending, you can hear those engines like straining as like you gain altitude. And you always think to yourself, wow, that'd be crazy if it broke. Well, this time it did. <laughs> it broke. And yeah, no, it was like there were a few minutes there. There was a, a five minute window where we, and this sounds so dramatic now that, because once we landed, we had to get in line to wait for our, our reroute. We were immediately miserable. Immediately yeah. miserable. Yeah. So, like, no gratitude over the fact that you know, we didn't <laughs> crash back into Austin. We but just there was pissed like, those fuckers lost their bags. Yeah, I know, exactly. I'm like, come on. So inconvenient. <laughs> but there's that five-minute window where you're like, oh, my God, like, this plane might actually crash. Like, it, it was in the realm of possibility. And yeah. then you started thinking about, you know, what comes with that, obviously. And, like, like oh, I might get to see my grandpa today after all. <laughs> uh, I think the scariest part was terrifying. when I tried to make an joke to ease the tension and you weren't having it at all and i just looked over like oh shit this is i don't remember what the joke was but i just remember like at one point like like holding my forehead because like the stress was like unbelievable yeah and the lady next to us who was with her son uh he had to be like 10 years old right right yeah oh little kid and she just wouldn't stop rambling about nonsense mm -hmm. i'm like this might be the last moments of my life and <laughs> just, shut up and let me enjoy it yeah just let me uh you know like lock in here and think good thoughts yeah and then as soon as the plane lands 
she's talking about her son. I forgot his name, but she's like, oh, Jimmy was so nervous. He was so brave. I'm like, I don't think it was Jimmy that was nervous, lady. <laughs> I think it was you because you haven't stopped talking about it. Well, I think the coolest part was when we landed and the whole plane just applauded. Yes. Because we finally made it safely. But that was that was a pretty scary landing, too. We funny. were coming in pretty hot. Because, again, so we're sitting next to these this 10-year-old and, like, these uh, Russian fellows behind us. We land. He's like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> You're barely speaking English. I'm like, oh, Jimmy learned a word today, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it was uh, quite an experience. Never want to go through that again. No. Uh, really, really scary. But um, hey, on the bright side, they reroute well. They forced us to go through security for a second time. So we got to wait yeah. in a line for at least three and a half hours. Yes. And then they lost our luggage. Yes. And we got to ride in a shuttle bus at JFK with a drunk driver. We did. But we got first class from New York to Buffalo. We did. We which did. Which is basically nothing. Like No, it's not anything. No. We got free water, though. We did get free water, and I think I got some cookies also. So thank you, Delta. <laughs> Hell of a day. Yeah. <laughs> that was. But, uh, yeah, so anyhow, we made it back. So one of the great things I thought about South by Southwest was going there with you, Frank. Oh. Because you have a talent that I don't have, which is the ability to cite celebrities. Yes, that is one of my uh, uh, top skills, to yeah. be able to pick a celebrity out of a group of people. I think it happened about 15 times we were down there. Because, like we said, the film festival is there, so there's a lot of people... Um, on the red carpet, their sports was there. I mean, we're walking through the Four Seasons, and we see Colin Coward and Bill Simmons yep. sitting at the bar, and Ben spinning around trying to look for them. They're I say, a we, foot away from us. If we saw 15 celebrities, that was 15 times where Frank's like, "Oh, there's so and so," and then I immediately pivot and run into someone. Yeah, <laughs> so like, and the, the subtle where? nuance of an arm tap or you know a pst or anything like that just went right, just wasted on Ben. No, I'm like basically like if you could imagine like like a. Arkansas farmer being put in New York City for the first time. Like, gosh, look at the saucers building. That's pretty much how I was. I'm like, whoa, look at all the fans of famous people. But I like Who? Rashida. We saw Rashida Jones from Parks and Recreation. Who couldn't get we, a table at a restaurant, by the way. We literally were standing right next to her. I elbow Ben. He spins around and nearly runs her over because she is a tiny pixie of a person. Interesting thing. No, who I almost ran into you when that happened, though. I turned around to see where Rashida Jones was. Almost ran into a guy. It turns out it was Edward Moses, former United States track star. Well, there you go. And if you guys want to share this episode, still nimble. Just use, avoided a big just fat use guy. the hashtag <laughs> name drop. Yeah. Because we know famous people. Oh, so many famous people. <laughs> uh, who else? We uh, sat in a panel with Baron Davis. Yes, and Victor Cruz was in the crowd. Victor Cruz is in the crowd. Uh, Baron Davis actually tried to steal my pen at one point. So, yeah. still has no nimble hands, even after being out of the league. I think the highlight of that session with Baron Davis was the fact that Ben thought Baron Davis was making eye contact and joking with him, but he was actually <laughs> joking with the attractive girl in the front row. He kept in looking in my direction. Like, he would, like, he make wasn't looking at you. And, like, he was not looking, looking at like, you. Looking, like, kind of, like, nod. I'm like, oh, my God, Baron Davis. Like, we're, we have a thing here. It was not me. No, it was, it was not. not. Because, actually, at, towards the end, of the, he, like, pointed out to the girl and, like, made mention he's like oh i know that you like that i'm like oh <laughs> and then but ben baron to the hotel <laughs> we have the same sense of humor uh no that was a really cool session uh so I actually saw aaron williams of the buffalo bills uh he was on a panel um uh, i think some other mark thing. cuban walked by our table mark cuban walked by our table uh we were at a restaurant sitting outdoors we saw mark cuban walk past looking almost lost and well and he looked he was wearing like Gym shorts and a t-shirt? Like, yeah. pull yourself together. You're a billionaire. Crazy thing. I was at a session the next day, randomly started talking uh, to this woman who's sitting next to me, and she said she was very excited because she saw Mark Cuban and forced him to, like, take a selfie with her. She showed me the picture, and it must have happened, like, 
seconds before we saw I thought him. you were going to tell me it wasn't Mark Cuban. That and you could see us like... in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it was like, it was just one of those weird random things. But, uh, yeah, you know, people say bad things about South by Southwest, about how, like I say, it's overblown or it's so corporate or... Well, yeah, there's a huge face. corporate presence there. and It's a corporate I, event. I mean, like, we're in advertising, so it doesn't really phase us, and that's what we're kind of looking for yeah. is how these larger brands utilize something like this. Um, but I just think the stuff we learned is invaluable. I mean, you're not going to get the – a lot of the stuff I went to was, you know, Biz Stone is speaking or yeah. uh, Tim Malcolm Ferris. Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, some of these people that are – and last year we saw Cuban speak. It's, Cuban speak like, you're not going to get a chance to be in front of these people very often. And we right. had the opportunity to just pull a couple nuggets. Brian Grazer was another great yeah. session I went to. Just to pull a couple nuggets from these people that have are – incredibly successful it was just it was just huge for us so that's what i mean like like people kind of it's cool now to like be against it but i really got a lot out of it like i felt like this year i learned more um and kind of picked up more things i can bring back to my job than i have Mm -hmm. in years past i've got this is the fourth time i went and you're like again many thanks to quinlan for sending me for the last two years the buffalo news also sent me for a couple years it's one of those events that's so overwhelming that the first time you go i really feel like it's difficult to get anything out of Mm -hmm. and people who i was i was talking to uh, at South by that's cool kids call it uh, you know who had been there for the first time like they had like that stunned look a lot of times yeah. they felt like they're missing a lot uh, because there are so many things happening you know all over Austin mm-hmm. that you have that it's not a fear of missing out like you are missing out yeah like, you know you're missing out at all times well I think the great part about this one and we talked a lot Ben and I between us how more confident we were this year is yeah. my second year going down I think a big part of it is that we lost a collective what 75 pounds since I, last yeah. year yeah we were much skinnier there's a lot uh, of thin lo- people at this event yeah mm-hmm. and we got to rock the uh, slim jeans not skinny but That's slim right. no it's more just boot a total for us my yeah. friends <laughs> just a total different look and feel and yeah. We could walk around like we knew what we were doing. At one point, like this is embarrassing to admit, but I will anyways. Like uh, we're we're getting ready in the morning. We shared a hotel room, uh, <laughs> and like we were dressed and ready to go. And like admiringly, like I looked at both of us. I'm like, we got this hipster thing going. <laughs> <laughs> Except a couple of times, I did wear khakis and just felt completely out of place if we yeah. tried to go anywhere. So I'd say the fact that we said that out loud probably means that everyone's like, hey, who are the it's old like, guys? It's like people who say that they're cool or never cool. Yeah. Cool people don't have to I'm say like, hey, that. kids, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, and we got rejected at a bar, which We did get turned down at a bar. That's right. It wasn't even a bar. It was like a cool startup event. Yeah. And they uh, claimed that New York State ideas IDs look flimsy and are fake. So yeah. that was interesting. Apparently, me and Frank look like we're 20. Yeah. So yeah. we'll take it. It must have been the skinny jeans. It must have been the hipster clothes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one thing that was also great, I thought about the entire event, was the food. Uh, we ate a lot of red meat. Yeah, yeah, uh, a ton. Barbecue, steak, hamburgers, pretty much the whole gamut of cow. Uh, we had grain burgers, we which have, were surprisingly delicious. Not put enough vegetables and condiments on it. The thing I did not have this year was breakfast tacos, which I saw getting a lot of heat. I actually social. tweeted about this. I was very, feeling very like comfortable, dressed up nice, feeling yeah. good. Confident, walking down the street, I pick up a breakfast taco, and I sit down to eat it, and immediately spill egg <laughs> all down the front of my clothes. Well, you deserved it. <laughs> and then as I get up and walk to my next session, I immediately ran into a tree branch on the street. <laughs> so it was a rough morning that day, but we made it through. I was, uh, all right, I, one of the mornings I went for, I got up and went for a run in downtown Austin. Uh beautiful run uh, up and down Congress Street, went through the Capitol, went through the University of Texas, really enjoyed it. Get back to the ACC, Austin Convention Center. Uh, 
to wait for our shuttle, and the shuttle just never shows up. So I'm standing there, I'm waiting, uh, you know, in my stinkables, <laughs> in my sweaty running clothes, just hanging out while like everyone is funneling into the first sessions of the day. So I'm just standing there like a, you know, like a slob. Um, this other woman who had been uh, out running, I just kind of started chatting with her because she's been having the same problem. We're like, hey, you know, this Did sucks. she have BO too? Yes, she did. Uh, uh, so did I. So it was gross. all good. But uh, so we're just talking about like our running routes and stuff like that. And she has an obvious accent. And it turns out she's from Paris and uh, actually worked for Chanel, which I was really impressed by. I'm like, I've heard of that company before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the shuttle coordinator co- overhears this and jumps in the conversation. You know, very nice guy, but like so Texan. He's like, hey, he's like, I bet you have to talk talk American here when you're over here in America, don't you? You can't talk French here, can you? And she's like trying to be very polite. Like, oh no, I, I, you know, think I speak English pretty. I lived in Oregon for several years, so I think I speak English pretty well. He's like, I went to France. No one spoke English to me. He's like, they're so rude over there, aren't they? They don't speak English. And she's like, I'm gonna say, oh buddy, I'm like, you're just making a mess. Please stop. Please stop. We're not all like this. Is he dressed like Uncle Sam? <laughs> no, but uh, he, this guy also, as it turns out, uh, was friends or acquaintances or business buddies with Bob Rich III. And so once my French friend got on her shuttle and left, I spent the next half an hour listening to this guy tell me stories about Bob Rich III. Uh, and they weren't any exciting stories. You know who Bob Rich III is? Mm-mm. Rich Products. Oh, that's He's right. like the He made son. that connection, but I wasn't yeah. sure. He's like, oh, Bob is a great guy. He's in a band. Did I tell you he's in a band? <laughs> it's like, yes, several times. <laughs> so he's like, he's so normal. He's in a band. It's just like me. I play the jug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, but anyhow, I guess that's true about everywhere you go, you get a Buffalo connection. That was the Buffalo connection there. So overall, I thought Austin was a great city. I like, really always liked to be in Austin. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the sessions I went to, where I actually learned Page something. Page turn is so loud. It is, I like the tactile feel of paper. <laughs> so uh, We're all digital here. Yeah. So the session I went to, I wanted to talk about this, because we had Dell read on our last yep. podcast. Uh, we talked football with Dell. Uh, obviously, you and me are big football fans. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to stop into, uh, first I was there, uh, was a panel discussion about the business of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Williams from the Bills was actually on this panel. Uh, former you know, Texas Longhorn made sense for him to be oh, there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was moderated by Bruce Feldman, a uh, pretty well-known college football writer uh, for Fox. Uh, C.J. LeBoy, who is uh, Aaron Williams' agent, was on the panel as well. And so was Mark, uh, I probably pronounced this wrong, Verstegen, Mark Verstegen. And he's the founder of a company called Exos, which is kind of like a uh, they get the most out of athletes, basically, in a clean and legal way. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of prepare these guys for the draft, you know, get them in top physical condition. Uh, and really, uh, not just the thing that guy kept coming back to you is like the body part is the easy part, the hard part is getting like these guys to, you know, be mentally and emotionally prepared to like be mm-hmm. professional football players. So some of the things that they talked about, I thought one of the cool concepts is the whole idea that an athlete is like a micro business. And I think that a lot of this kind of applies to to ourselves, to anyone out there. This idea that you yourself are actually like a small business unto yourself, where you want to be this consummate professional. Uh, you have to have sustainable performance. You have to develop the skills that you need to to basically be excellent every day. So from a sports perspective, obviously these guys got to eat right. Mm-hmm. They have to get in shape. They have to kind of fit the prototype of what the ideal 
you know, if you're a cornerback, you have to look like a cornerback. Um, I think it's the same way in business a lot of times too. Like, uh, if you're exhausted, if you eat nothing but junk food, and you're out of shape, uh, you're not doing the best that you can, right. you know, in your daily life. And I kind of tried to pull some of these things to my own life. That's interesting. What are, are you got any examples? Uh, Putting you right on the spot. Yeah, actually, well, when Aaron Williams was talking, he was saying how when he got out of college, uh, went into the draft, uh, you know, he went to work with Exos and was in the best shape of his life. Like, mm-hmm. He got into phenomenal physical condition. But he still liked to go out and party a lot. Um, he didn't really get into specifics of what partying meant, mm-hmm. uh, but we can imagine. Uh, he said he was really caught up like in the whole fame. It's anything like us eating our own large Domino's pizzas. <laughs> and I'm assuming he means yeah, eating a Domino's pizza and then passing out in his own <laughs> garbage. Because we did that one night. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, we're fat. <laughs> but, uh, but he was saying that when he you know he was going into the NFL. Uh, you know, he best physical condition of his life, but he's really hung up on celebrity. Like he was meeting people like Adrian Peterson, he said, mm-hmm. uh, and like that was really important to him, and to like go to the ESPYS and to go to you know, like fashion shows and stuff like that, and like be out there, um, to the point where like he had to be sat down by like his dad, who, was, who I guess his dad played in the NFL, which I hadn't even realized, uh, but by his dad and his agent, and they had to kind of have like a a fame intervention with him, where they're like, look. Like, you, you have the ability to play in the league, mm-hmm. uh, but you're letting all these other things get in the way of, of really being great. And basically, you know, you're looking at washing out of the league at the rate you're going. And, yeah. you know, like they, and these are guys who have seen it before. Like, they know you're never going to be anything more than just another guy unless you get your act together. So, you know, I think stuff like that kind of hits home because, you know, I look at my own life. Uh, and I think of the things that get in the way of like really doing what I want to do. It's like, all right, so instead of you know, you know, working on a project that's important to me tonight, or like cranking out pages on like a screenplay I want to write or something like that, I'm gonna drink a six pack in front of the TV and do just nothing. Just scroll Twitter for two hours. Exactly, you know. Or I'm gonna get online. And I'm gonna write, but then I get sucked into Facebook mm-hmm. and into my fantasy team and just end up doing nothing. You know, it's like this idea that you have to kind of discipline yourself and kind of put aside the the childish things at a certain point. Well, I've uh, noticed something this week, and it's it was a really hectic week for us. We came back from South By, and we had a couple things at work that were really pressing, and we were just kind of really hustling until Friday afternoon, basically. Yeah. And the thing I noticed is that we I didn't even have time to put together a bracket this year for March Madness, and yeah. initially I was kind of like, ah, depressed, but I didn't watch a game until Saturday, and yeah. I didn't really miss it that much. And I think... The stuff like with the Twitter and with Facebook, and you feel like you're missing out on a couple on a little bit. And if you ignored that, I think that feeling of missing out would last about 45 seconds. Yeah, I agree. And the payoff for actually spending that time doing something productive, I think, is um, a lot better feeling. No, I agree 100. percent I think that once you start to miss some of that stuff, like like not partake. I think that you start to realize like how unimportant it really is. Which scares me a little bit because <laughs> I I love football so much. I love the Browns, but I feel like. If I didn't watch every game, it wouldn't be as bad as I yeah, yeah. think, you know? It's just... There have been a couple times, like, and it's easy to deal with the Bills because they stink every year, right? Yeah. But there have been a couple times where, like, I've stopped watching the Bills towards the end of the season, just, you know, out of outrage. I'm sure I'm, I'm pegging myself as a terrible fan right now. But, you know, after a while, like, it doesn't really matter if they get that sixth win, you know? And I'll stop watching for the last couple of weeks. And then, you know, like, you look at your Sunday, then you're like, oh, my God, like, it's so different to have, like, my whole afternoon free, you know? And then... Not to be, yeah. 
7 o'clock at night and be finished off my ninth beer. And be like, oh, Just for any Browns fans listening, I did watch the entire, <laughs> every snap of Connor Shaw's first career start in Week 17. So. Then you also break Super out fan. all 22 throughout the week also. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's just, it's just interesting, you know. And I, won't, I think football is a bad example because I still watch a ton of football. Right, Even right. if I'm not watching the Bills, I'm watching another. But, like, you know, football. hockey and stuff. Yeah, no, dude, I honestly, like, I've stopped watching the NHL. Yeah, you know, and it's, it helps. I think it would Sabres be different. Awful, yeah, I was gonna say but, if the Sabers were actually good in, in the playoff hunt, that'd be a little different story. But then it becomes a different thing too, because then it's like when the Sabers are good, it's, it's like a shared that. experience yeah. that we're all kind of into it. But it's just, is that how you want to spend like three hours of your night? You know, eighty-one times a year. I just feel like that's a eighty-two mm-hmm. times whatever it is. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. to each his own, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, I'm just glad that you know. I'm not as hung up on that specifically anymore. But yeah. I think the, the general point, and this isn't about like how cool I am, about, oh, look at me, I don't need to watch hockey. Because I still definitely have like a ton of terrible habits that I'm trying to break. But I think that the point that you know Aaron was making, that's right, we're on first name basis now. <laughs> he did retweet me, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, the point that Aaron Williams was making that you, know, that you need to kind of start putting aside certain things in order to get to another place, I thought mm-hmm. was well taken. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, well, the other thing that they mentioned too was, uh, and CJ LeBoy was talking about this, uh, was the fact that like his agency, like they need to make like a significant investment in athletes to send them to basically a place like Exos to get trained up to go to the draft because uh, while it's expensive for them to do that, like to remain competitive as an agency, like they got to show their guys that they're willing to do that mm-hmm. um, and to get guys who are going to be good enough to make, you know, not the first contract, but like the second contract, you, know, you, you have to have excellent players. And I thought about that from a business perspective, too, where it's like if you're in, whether it's an ad agency like ours or any company, really, like you need to make that investment in your people, even though the upfront costs are high, mm-hmm. uh, you need to do it because that's how your company's going to get better. And I thought you actually had a good quote. That yeah, you I was just looking me. that up. Uh, Perfect segue. Yeah. What was that? She said... Um, Who was it? It was someone from Huge, uh, the Huge Agency. That I think they're headquartered in Chicago. Their name is literally Huge. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. So uh, she said, somebody asked her about you know, training your employees and, and what if they just leave afterwards. And we've had that issue before. I'm sure every agency in town has. Um, where you invest in somebody and you spend all this money on them and then they just end up taking their talents to somewhere else. But she said, I would rather... Train someone who leaves, then not train someone who stays. Right. So I think that was kind of like so simple, but, you know, mind-blowing a little bit. But um, you want those people. It's a risk, but you want those people that have that thirst for knowledge. And that's what Ben and I talked about while we were down there. A lot of these sessions that I went to with these brilliant people, you know, you talk about outliers, the the book Outliers, where they talk about just being smart enough to get to a certain point where there's – uh, success isn't measured by IQ alone. If you know, so if you're smart enough, but you have this huge thirst for knowledge, and you're always looking for new things, yeah. and what's this kind of differentiator? I think that's what really leads to these hugely su- successful people. So, I think that's the kind of people you want to surround yourself with too, not the people that are just uh, content with nine to five and taking home a paycheck. Well, exactly, and that's the, actually another good quote that that came out of the session. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember if this was uh, Verstegen or if this was uh, LeBoy who said this, but people, they mentioned the fact that people talk about like pro days for athletes or going to the combine or, you know, playing in the senior bowl, things like that. And some people will say, oh, well, those things don't matter. Well, what they say is those things, of course, they matter. That's why they have those things. It's mm-hmm. very important that, that athletes participate in these, you know, extracurricular events. And again, like from a business point of view, 
if you're just like a nine to five, you know, ham and dagger where you're just kind of cashing your check, like how does that make you valuable? Like it, the reason there are things like South by Southwest or, you know, networking organizations or uh, online resources where you can kind of sharpen your own skills, you know, on your own time, those things exist because they're important. And mm -hmm. I think when people kind of uh, put those things down or kind of frown upon them or act like people who participate in stuff like that, uh, are somehow like brown nosing their way through life. I yeah. think that's like this is like such a negative way of looking at those things. And I used to be a person like that where I would, would think like, oh, you know, I don't need to read this book by Tim Ferriss because four hour <laughs> work week, what's that even about? You know, it's just like some scam. Uh, but as I've gotten older, uh, you start to realize like this accumulated level of knowledge out there and the way you can apply these things to your life. And it's just it's freaking mind blowing, you know? So. Listen to me, because I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Read Ben's book coming out next week. <laughs> <laughs> the Power of Ben. <laughs> ben cursed. Well, I think that pretty much sums up our, our trip to Texas, right? You got anything else to add? Uh, you know, I could talk some more about it, honestly. Just tweet at BK77 <laughs> if you want some more uh, nuggets of knowledge. We can ben. meerkat it if oh, you want to. Yes, more. we did do our first meerkat, right? We should have meerkatted this, shoot. Uh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Maybe next time. I tried meerkatting laser tag the other day, and I almost broke my phone. Yeah. But uh, maybe some other time. And newsflash, <laughs> laser tag is pretty goddamn fun. I Shockingly, I was maybe the most cynical laser tag player going into this. Our, our work had a laser tag event, and uh, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I just, you got to get to higher ground. I, it's a, like rule number one of military combat. You think we should take this to the next level next time and do some paintball with the team? I don't know about that. That could get violent. I just keep thinking about taking a paintball to the eye. <laughs> you wear goggles. It's still, it would hurt. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, all right. Until next time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. I'm Ben. This is Frank. We're the Field Recordings Podcast. Have a great week. See ya. <laughs> Music for Field Recordings is provided by The Traditional. The opening song is called Disaster from their new album, How to Live Without Blood, which is available on iTunes. And you can also get more information on the band by going to thetraditional.bandcamp.com.